Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hey, what next listener? It's Mary here. We're going to be rerunning an old episode from our archives today to give the What Next team a little time off. And it's one of my favorites from back in June of 2019 when I interviewed the head coach of the Notre Dame women's basketball team. Her name's Muffet McGraw. She is a legend in the sport. And last week, Coach McGraw announced that she would be retiring after spending 33 seasons with the Fighting Irish. So please take us through it. Why are you retiring now? Well, to retire during a global pandemic, I thought would be a great way to get on SportsCenter. Because there's not a whole <laughs> lot else it. going on. <laughs> you know, McGraw decided to hand over the head coaching reins to Neil Ivey, a former player and assistant coach of hers. And this year seemed like a good time. Our program is in great shape right now. Looking ahead, we've got a great recruiting class coming in. We're preseason back in the top 25. Everything is really looking good. And I think that it was a great time for me to hand over the reins for someone else. As you'll hear in our interview, Muffet's thought a lot about the role of women in sports and women in positions of power. I love talking to her. So here's the full conversation with the now former head coach of the Notre Dame women's basketball team, Muffet McGraw. In the world of women's basketball, Muffet McGraw is a legend. She's one of just a few female head coaches at the very top of her game. She coaches at Notre Dame, makes a million bucks a year. In South Bend, Indiana, she is so well-known that when you land at the airport, it's her voice that you hear over the loudspeaker. It's really kind of weird when you're sitting there waiting for your flight and you hear your voice over the PA announcing that parking outside is a technical foul. But in the last couple of months... She's become known for something else, her all-female coaching staff. This spring, reporters just kept asking about it. You know, I I was asked the question, you know, how do you like it? And I thought, yeah, it's great. I, you know, I don't know that I'd hire another guy. And then the headline turned into, Muffet McGraw will never hire a man. And it uh, it kind of blew up a little bit. This was back in April. Muffet was headed to the Final Four, about to play her biggest rival, UConn, when she sat down for a press conference. Muffet, I know you made some comments about hiring practices and what you'd do in the future. Another reporter asked her about her coaching staff. That's when Muffet took a deep breath and just lit in. Did you know that the Equal Rights Amendment was introduced in 1967 and it still hasn't passed? She talks for a solid two minutes, uninterrupted. Not just about women in sports, but about women in politics, about women in leadership, period. We don't have enough female role models. We don't have enough visible women leaders. We don't have enough women in power. Men run the world. Nearly 7 million people ended up watching Muffet's impromptu speech. Did you like going viral? (laughs) Well, first I had to ask, what does that mean? uh... Barack Obama retweeted it, along with... 27,000 other people. And I got a note from Hillary Clinton. Uh, Billie Jean King reached out. It, it just so many people who I have such great respect for made me think, wow, why didn't I do this before? 
you said this one thing that stood out to some people where you said, you know, coaches and really everyone, they hire they hire people who look like them. They hire people they're familiar with. And I heard this one response that was, well, isn't that what she's doing? Like she's hiring just women. So isn't she doing the same thing? I wonder what you'd say to that. Well, I, I just think it's important for women to have opportunities. We have, you know, there's over 50% of us in the country, and yet we're not represented in pretty much any business or any corporation at 50%. So I think to be the one that's always been the minority and uh, not given the opportunity, I think it's time for women to step up and help other women. And that's something that I don't think we do enough. I don't think the women who make it to the top are able to reach down and pull somebody else up. It's such a fight to get there that I'm not sure we're doing a great job of bringing up the, the rest of them. I wanted to talk to Muffet because she got a lot of attention for what she had to say about supporting women, giving them access to power. But she's also known as a fierce competitor. She wants to win, and she does. I wondered what she thought about that balance between fighting for what's yours and sharing what you've got. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stay with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So I have a daughter who is about to turn five, and she loves basketball. Like literally this morning, she insisted on wearing her Brooklyn Nets t-shirt. She made me dig it out of the laundry basket. (laughs) And I know you don't love talking about yourself and your own history, but I wonder for a little girl like mine, I wonder if you could talk about how you got to where you are today. When you were little— and you picked up the basketball. I remember I was in seventh grade, sitting in class, and the priest of the parish came in and said, we're going to start a girls' basketball team. Who wants to join? And I think I was the first one to raise my hand, because I had been playing with the guys down at the playground, and I I just remember I was the most competitive person out there. I have always been so competitive, just had to win. It didn't matter. We were going to win. And uh, I think I'm still like that today. But it was, you know, it was so fun. I mean, it was just, it was a different game back then. It was six on six instead of five on five. You know, they, men didn't think we could make it up and down the court, although childbirth, I guess, was a pain-free experience for them. Uh, but <laughs> running up and down the court might might make us faint. So we played this half-court version of the game that eventually by high school was was back to five on five. Yeah, when did you know that you wanted to stay in basketball? Like, how did you even know that was a possibility? Part of the reason I'm asking this is because, like, it's 2019 right now, and my five-year-old daughter, when she plays basketball on the little hoop on in her brother's room, for a while she was insisting I call her LeBron James. <laughs> and she was insisting, <laughs> too, that she was going to be a boy because she wanted to play basketball. Like, those two things were connected And I just wonder how you, at a time when women playing basketball were far less visible, 
how you saw this path forward to play and become a coach. You know, I didn't see the path because there was there was no one to look up to and see. And I was the same way. I was watching the NBA. I was going out and practicing all the moves that all the guys were on the Sixers were making. And they actually practiced in St. Joe's. We got to see them a little bit when I was in college. But there was never any way that you would see women. So I played in college. We didn't have scholarships back then. Uh, when I graduated, I was a sociology major and there was not going to be a lot of jobs out there for somebody that just wanted to save the world. And uh, a high school job opened. And I thought, wow, this is a great opportunity. So went to uh, coach at a local high school. And from my first day of practice, I was like, this is it. I have found my career. Even though I was only making $1,200 for the year. <laughs> my husband was like, is that for the month? I was like, nope, nope, that's the whole year. So it was kind of a part-time job at first. Eventually, Muffet was offered more than just a part-time job in basketball. Her alma mater, St. Joe's, they wanted her to be their assistant coach. She accepted, and a couple years after that, she moved up again, this time as head coach of Lehigh, a Division I team. But even as head coach, it wasn't like it was easy. I mean, I, I basically mopped the floor, uh, set up the clocks. My husband, had to, sometimes he'd keep the books, sometimes he'd be filming. Um, you know, we just, we had no help whatsoever in terms of support staff. And it, everything you did, I had to pay the referees, which, you know, was was kind of interesting if we lost. I don't, I'm not sure I wanted to give them the checks. But it was, it was really, I mean, just did it all. I had to coach softball in order to coach basketball. Um, so times were very different back then. When Muffet started coaching at Lehigh, Title IX legislation was just a decade old. That law requires male and female athletes to get the same opportunities in college sports. I read that back then there were actually more female coaches than there are now. Yeah, before, actually at the beginning of Title IX, back in the 70s and 80s, there was probably close to 90% of the coaches were all women. And I think it's it started that way when we started getting opportunities. You know, women were just so excited. We, they had just been playing. They wanted to continue to, to stay in sports. And when it changed is when the universities started looking at Title IX as equal pay. And I think that when the salaries went up, that's when all the men jumped in. Uh, I think women were, you know, they're, we're playing for love of the game. We're coaching because we love the game. It really wasn't about the money. And yet, as the salaries got higher, oh, I think we saw more and more men. And now it's probably 60% men overall. 60%. It's not, considering you're coaching all women, it does seem like it should be more women. Yeah, absolutely should be. And the thing about women is we are, you know, we're loyal. Um, we are not overly aggressive at times. I don't think we ever fight for ourselves because we're such great team players. We're always ready to give other people credit. We never really toot our own horn. And so negotiating is a really difficult thing, I think, for most women. My husband, Matt, actually, he's the one that got me to apply for the job at Notre Dame. I was at Lehigh. I was really happy. I loved it there. And he kept saying, you got to send in your resume. And so I finally really did it just so he'd stop badgering me. And <laughs> so when uh, we got to come out and interview out here, I mean, we didn't even talk about salary. Like, that was the last thing on my mind. When I accepted the job at Lehigh, he said, how much are you making? I said, oh, my God, I forgot to ask. I wonder, you know, you kind of grew up having to fight for things. And when you have players who 
aren't as good at navigating around men or aren't as confrontational, aren't as good at advocating for themselves. How do you help them get better? Yeah, that's a big part of my job is is how to build them up. And I think it's so important. One of the things I know I say at practice a lot is conflict is good. We need this. We need to go against each other. And we'll do things at practice where they've got to fight it out with another player. Um, but we talk a lot about what they're doing well and what their what their strengths are and how we can help them, you know, get better. But really, the most important thing is their voice, like having that confidence, having the ability to say, no, you know, that's not what's good for me or, or yes, this is something that I want. And we put them in situations where they have to do that. You know, they have to use their voice. And every time somebody comes on campus that is a female in power, I have them come by and talk to my team. So we had Condoleezza Rice came by, Ann Thompson uh, from NBC came by. There was a general. There was a the number two person at NASA. Anytime there's a strong woman uh, who's coming to campus for some other reason, I have them come by and talk to the team just about, you know, what it means to lead. It sounds to me like you spent a lot of your time, like, re-acculturating your students, like getting them to unlearn these traditionally feminine things that they've absorbed. Yeah, I think that's true. You know, I think the way society looks at us, the way we're raised, uh, I think we're there's a lot of socialization that's occurring before I get them here. And how they feel about themselves sometimes is from other people. And so trying to get them to understand that you're the only person you have to please. You know, when you look in the mirror, do you like what you see? That is what we're trying. And, you know, I think at one point we even put stuff on the mirror in the locker room, just, you know, strong, independent, confident. We just put all these words up there that they could look at every day and think this is this is me. You know, something we haven't talked about is the fact that you haven't just made it a priority to hire women on your coaching staff. You've made it a priority to hire black women. I'm wondering when you came to this realization that you wanted to make that a priority for your team? You know, it's interesting because I never really looked at it that way. Uh, Carol Owens has been with me for, I think, 18 years. She was one of my first hires. When I came here, I was very young. I mean, she gave me an opportunity, and I had no experience. So, And I she was like just fabulous. So I hired her because she was the best post coach in the country because she played the post position. I wanted somebody that played the position. She had a great way about her, a great personality, a great way of being tough, but knowing that uh, she cared about the players. And then when I hired Neil Ivey, she had played for me as a point guard. I knew she was going to be great. Interviewing here was um, it was completely um, life changing. Really, um, it gave me an opportunity to stay around the game that I loved and also be in a place that I love. Loved her um, personality. Uh, wanted somebody that could work with the point guards. Coquise uh, Washington, another player. You know, so when you have players, you don't you don't really think of oh I've got to get on my staff and I need this diversity because we have great diversity on our staff and in our office. But I do think it's important now and. I would always look to have that diversity on my staff. I think it's so important. You're looking at your team. I mean, there's there's so many African American women in the league and in, and in the across the country. They have to be able to look up and see somebody who looks like them to help them. And I think that's so important uh, that you give them those role models. Yeah, you said at a certain point you realized you just didn't care what other people thought, <laughs> and you started making a real effort to hire women, and then eventually only women. Like for a while, you kept one man on staff. And I guess, why did you think you needed a man on staff? 
You know, and when I started in basketball, all, all of AAU basketball, which is where the girls play in the summer with their, their teams, it's all men. Uh, it's all men doing the scouting services. It's all men uh, putting out, you know, the rankings of, of who these recruits are. It's all men coaching the teams. And so I thought, you know, I probably need a guy to kind of get in there because they do network a different way. And I think that, you know, they can talk to each other a little bit differently. So I thought I needed a guy on the staff. Um, I like the idea of having a man work for me and having the girls know that women can lead, men can work for us. And that was that was pretty good. But I think eventually when um, the last guy got a head coaching job, I had a call from a former assist, former player, Beth Cunningham, who said, I know you like to hire a guy, but let me tell you why I would be good for this job. And I thought, wow, that was an easy hire. Played for me, loved her, great coach. I and love after that she knew she it. Came on I, board, love that she, yes. I love that she, I love that she said to you. She's very confident too. Yeah, and I love that she said, like, I know you like to hire a guy, but here I am. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's just hard to turn that down. I mean, it was, it was such an easy decision. And it just seemed like it was a, a great fit. And I loved having all women. I just love the the girls looking up to us and talking about women in power and women leaders and role models. You know, I want to talk about that. I'm so glad you brought this up because my producer and I were talking about this. We're both women. And I think there's this idea that women don't necessarily pull each other up. And there's a reason for that, which is when you're in a position like you're in where you're making a good salary you have a lot of responsibilities. You need that team to win. And so it can't be nice all the time. <laughs> You're going to have things you need people to do. And so how do you keep that environment that's supportive and, um, you know, all about bringing women up while also demanding accountability and making sure your team is performing at its best? I really value people that are accountable. It's kind of one of the pillars of our team. You have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror and say, this is what I need to do better. And we, you know, we assign roles and expectations for every player on the team, for every coach on the team. This is what I need from you. This is what your job description is. And after the season, we sit down and talk about this is what you did well, this is what you need to work on. But I think the important thing, especially with this generation, is that you're honest. I think people appreciate honesty, but I feel like today there's a, a real sense of I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings. I don't want to say anything bad about them. I, you know, I'm not going to mention this or that. And I, I really value honesty. And I think it's important that everybody knows exactly where they stand. And that, that really helps. When you know what the expectations are, you know what your job is, I think it's much easier to do it. Hmm. But that's hard, too, because I feel like we live in this world where women are divided against each other all the time. They're told there's only room for one. Yeah, that's that's a big problem that we have right now. And I think, you know, in Sheryl Sandberg's book, Lean In, when she talked about getting a seat at the table, I'm like, no, no, we need 50 percent of those seats. We don't want just one of them. And I think that that's that's how we have to look at it. We have to help each other. We're always we're judging each other. Like, why is there that friction between us when we're all doing something really important and we all need to value each other and help each other? And that's what team building is. I mean, that's that's what I'm trying to do with my team and my staff is to get them to see that how we have to work together, have to help each other. And if you get something and you can help somebody else get there, it's your responsibility to do that. Uh, Muffet McGraw, I can't thank you enough for joining us. Thank you. Bye-bye. 
Muffet McGraw was the head coach of the Notre Dame women's basketball team for three decades. She retired last week. And that's the show. Be sure to check back in with us tomorrow. Lizzie O'Leary is going to be here with a brand new episode of What Next TBD. And I'll be back Monday with the rest of the crew. Talk to you then. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.